Hello and welcome to episode 3 of the Burt's Books podcast. This week I have been mostly packing up deliveries ready for everybody to receive their February bundles. They have now all been packed up and are on their way out to you. Apart from that, it's been a fairly quiet one. I have, excitingly, now got over £3,000 on the crowdfunder, so uh, it's only about 10% of what we're aiming for, but there's still 10 days to go. It is now a new month, everybody's been paid, I am looking forward to seeing those donations come rolling in, and if they don't, I've got something else up my sleeve, which I'm hoping you'll all enjoy next week. Also this week, uh, check out the Edward White Audio Thoughts podcast. He is somebody that I met through the radio show that I'm a guest on sometimes on BBC Wiltshire. He runs a company called At Live and he does a podcast which is every two weeks or so where he interviews members of the business community from around Swindon, Wharton Bassett area. He interviewed me uh, to talk about Burt's books and we spoke, well I spoke a lot about Burt's books, about uh, redundancy, about books. So if you want an insight into what is going on with Burt's books, go to uh, wherever you get your podcasts and search for Edward White Audio Thoughts. I will warn you, um, it's two hours long. It's not edited, so uh, you do hear my rambling on for uh, nearly all of that time. But hopefully you'll get something out of it. And if you don't get something out of that one, have a listen to the other episodes in his series because I found as a business owner that uh, there was some very useful stuff in there. So anyway, coming up on this week's episode of the Burt's Books podcast, I have got some new books to unpack. We've got the Costa winner, all the news from, from the Costa to talk about. And I'm going to reveal the titles that are in the February subscription bundle so if you've got one of them coming your way you will find out here first what is in it unless you have already received it by the time you listen to this in which case it will not be a surprise i will also be revealing the burt's book book of the month for february i am burt and you are listening to the burt's books podcast and if you enjoy listening to me ramble on about books please do subscribe like, review, rate, share, do all of those things, uh, but do it after you've listened to this episode. Okay, enjoy! I nearly didn't do a unpacking section for this week because I had nothing to unpack. However, then I was given this book by guest of the show, Julie Cohen, who will be telling us later on what she is reading at the moment. And it is Pretending by Holly Bourne. That is out on the 2nd of April. Now, if you have subscribed to Burt's Books Bundles, then you will have received a copy of Holly's last book, How Do You Like Me Now, uh, as part of the fiction subscription pack last year. Uh, this one is out on the 2nd of April. It's called Pretending. And this is what it says on the inside cover. He said he was looking for a partner in crime, which everyone knows is shorthand for a woman who isn't real. April is kind, pretty and relatively normal, yet she can't seem to get past date five. Every time she thinks she's found someone she can trust, 
They reveal themselves to be awful, leaving her heartbroken and angry. If only April could be more like Gretel. Gretel is exactly what men want. She's a regular, everyday, manic, pixie dream girl next door with no problems. The problem is, Gretel isn't real, and April is now claiming to be her. As soon as April starts being Gretel, dating becomes much more fun, especially once she reels in the unsuspecting Joshua. Finally, April is the one in control, but can she control her own feelings? And as she and Joshua grow closer, how long will she be able to keep pretending? So, I enjoyed How Do You Like Me Now last year. I thought it was very good. Uh, so, I'm looking forward to giving this one a go. I t- the, some of the characters in How Do You Like Me Now, I, I didn't love. Uh, but I think that may have been intentional. But I found it very funny. So, I'm hoping that Bourne's writing this time, she's got some characters that we can love. And that we root for April. So, I'll be giving that one a go soon. It's out in hardback on the 2nd of April, so I will add it for a pre-order should you want to uh, get ahead of the game. After thinking I wouldn't have anything to unpack, I had that one, and then this morning, knock on the door as a postman, post lady in fact, with a envelope. So I'm just going to open that now and see what I've got. I think it's, I think it's one of those ones where the lots of stuff inside will go everywhere um, because it is it's recyclable so that's good now I'm just going to get some scissors on it um, yeah it's full of fluff and stuff which is not nice I think we need to find another way of packing these books anyway this is the intoxicating Mr Lavelle and at the top it says He's the talk of Europe, don't you know? Now, as we're recording this, Europe is um, very prevalent in uh, social media feeds at the moment. So let's see just what Mr Lavelle has to say for himself. So this is by Neil Blackmore. And it says on the back, When Edgar and Benjamin embark on a grand tour of Europe, they are ready to meet people of quality. That's capital P, capital Q. They will make connections and establish themselves in high society just as their mother has planned. But it soon becomes apparent that their smiles are too ready, their appreciation of the arts ridiculous. Class, they learn, is not something that can be studied. Benjamin's true education begins when he meets the beautiful, charismatic, seductive, marvellous, maddening and utterly unrepentant Horace Lavelle. Well, that was a lot of... uh adjectives for Mr Lavelle so um, as well as intoxicating he's beautiful charismatic seductive marvellous maddening and unrepentant um I quite like the sound of this one um I'm being hesitant because I'm not a massive historical fiction fan um and it's it it's sort of suggesting both by the cover and the uh, language on the back of the book that it is set in the past. I'm just going to open it up and have a quick look and see if it's set in... Ah, starts off in London 1763. So it'll be interesting because Benjamin sounds like uh, he and Horace Lavelle might be lovers. Um, which in 1793, I don't actually know a lot how it, how it would have 
worked by then. I mean, I'm I'm sure biologically a lot of it was the same. I just mean what the rules were, what the laws were back then on that, especially in mainland Europe. So that might be interesting. Um, it's a lovely cover. Uh, I'll take a picture of that and put it on Instagram. It's coming out on the 30th of April 2020. And does it say hardback? Hardback paper. Ah, here we go. It's coming out in hardback and it'll be 12 99 Oh, and inside as well, it does say uh, the favourite meets an 18th century talented Mr. Ripley. A high-octane, darkly funny, richly detailed historical page-turner that will appeal to those who like a subversive take on a familiar genre. So, I am looking forward to reading that one. My reviews this week are going to be slightly different because as well as telling you about the books I've, a couple of books I've read, I am also going to reveal what is in the subscription bundles as well. So, first off, I am going to reveal the titles in the general fiction paperback bundle and um, will be no surprise to anyone who's been paying attention to the Burt's Books Twitter for most of the last year, in fact, that uh, this month I have picked Daisy Jones and the Six by Taylor Jenkins Reid. Daisy Jones and the Six were the biggest band of the 1970s. They sold millions of albums, sold out arenas across America, and then suddenly they split up. It isn't until many years later when a documentary maker starts interviewing the people that were there that the truth starts to emerge. This is told in the style of transcripts from the journalists' Talking Heads documentary. I thought it was a unique way of telling a story that I honestly thought I would struggle with, just like the clunks of clumps of dialogue. But it works really well and really helps paint a picture of the band. It really also makes Daisy and Billy and the rest of the band seem real. Uh, I actually had to check uh, before, well, during reading, that whether they were a real or a fictional band. Um, I won't go into too much more detail because I will have run out of time. But uh, just to say, this was my personal book of the year for 2019. Joining Daisy in the fiction paperback bundle is The End of Time by Gavin Extens. Now this was included in the hardback bundle last year. It's a story about two brothers who are desperate to get from Turkey to England through any means possible, even if it isn't strictly legal. Their story starts with a swim from Turkey to Greece and then onwards through Europe with the help of a man who believes himself to be Jesus. In this book, Gavin Extant sort of skims the surface of what life would be like as an illegal immigrant. It feels like everything sort of goes okay for the two brothers. Like We don't see the worst of the life, although some terrible stuff does happen. Uh, the writing kind of keeps things light, um, helping you sort of maintain a a bit of a distance from all the horrors of it. I liked the approach of that because I felt that although I was learning about it, I was still being entertained and it wasn't as harrowing as potentially it, it could have been. Obviously that tragedy sort of exists um, and it does lie just beneath the surface of the writing. But it's overall, it's enjoyable and, and quite funny in places. If I was to... Re Say it reminded me of anything, it'd be the Jonas Jonesson books, um, like The Hundred Year Old Man Who Climbed Out of a Window, those types. So if you enjoyed those, I think you'll definitely like this. But what I am going to talk to you mostly about now 
is the 24-hour cafe. Now, this will be in your uh, bundle subscriptions if you signed up for the hardbacks. And this one came out last week. It is by Libby Page, who wrote the Lido a couple of years ago, which I absolutely loved that. So I was really looking forward to reading this one. What is it about, I hear you ask? Uh, Let me read out the blurb to you. Welcome to the cafe that never sleeps. Day and night, Stella's Cafe opens its doors to the lonely and the lost, the morning people and the night owls. It's a place where everyone is always welcome, where life can wait at the door. Meet Hannah and Mona, best friends, waitresses, dreamers. They love working at Stella's, the different people they meet, small kindnesses exchanged. But is it time to step outside and make their own way in life? Come inside and spend 24 hours at Stella's Cafe, where one day might just be enough to change your life. One of the things I liked about the Lido so much was that Libby Page concentrated more on platonic relationships, people uh, finding communities where they might not otherwise. So uh, lots of themes of loneliness. And actually, she touches on those themes again in the 24-hour cafe. Uh, Hannah and Mona are the two waitresses. They're on a double shift. Uh, Hannah does the first 12 hours. Mona does the second. They're best friends and they live together as well as work together. Although they don't really spend much time in real time together, we learn a lot about them and it's a day that is going to change their lives. But also we spend a lot of time with the customers or however fleetingly they might be in the cafe for. Uh, Each chapter is told from an hour point of view. And within that, we'll see a bit from Hannah. We'll see a bit from Dan, who uh, is one of the customers early on. And then we'll also see a bit from, say, Monique as well. And then some of these characters return throughout the day. Some of them we don't see again. But they're all sort of this fleeting community within the cafe, which, as somebody who goes to a cafe fairly regularly, um, I do a bit of working out of a cafe uh, on a Monday morning just to do my finances, etc. I see some of the same people, I overhear some of the conversations and I do always wonder what are these little stories that are going on uh, all around me and that is exactly what Paige picks up on in this. She goes through it and um, investigates some of these little stories and it really makes you think how easily it is to become isolated even in a big city like London, in fact especially in a big city like London. Uh, We don't know what everyone's stories are, but maybe we should cut some people some slack. Uh, we We don't know what they're going through, and whilst it may look like these people, these mysterious people in the in the cafe have got everything going on, they are all challenging, they're all facing their own challenges, which Libby Page really helps bring to the surface. And as well, at the heart of it is this relationship between Hannah and Mona, this platonic friendship. They work really well, and we start off by seeing everything from Hannah's point of view. We don't, we only see the points of view of the people in the cafe, and as Mona 
isn't working there. We don't see what's going on with her. So we see what happens to Mona and, and her news through Hannah's eyes. And in the middle, there's a big sort of crescendo as they meet at midday. And then Hannah leaves and Mona starts her shift and we see everything from Mona's point of view and, and we learn about how her news and Hannah's sort of history affects her. Really, really good. I read it all in less than 24 hours. Um, it's, it's a really lovely read. My guest this week is the award-winning, uh, clearly Cohen, um, award-winning writer of L- The Two Lives of Louis and Louise, which was the Burt's Books Book of the Year, voted for by our, my customers last year, 2019. Uh, what are you reading at the moment, Julie? I'm reading This Is How You Lose the Time War by Amal Al-Motar and Max Gladstone, which is a science fiction novella um, about two time agents who are fighting against each other in a huge war in time um, who evolve a strange relationship with each other through corresponding on battlegrounds. Um, so it's a love story and it's a time travel story and it's science fiction and um, it's really making me think. Wow. I, loved, I love a time travel story. Um, so I might have to... Are you enjoying it? I am enjoying it. It's making my mind expand. Um, and what I like best about it so far is the little messages that they're sending to each other. So it's two female operatives. And I think one is technological and one is more nature-centered. So they have sort of opposing ideologies. And they write, you can really see their relationship growing, even though they don't really encounter each other, just through these messages they're sending to each other. Oh, wow. Um, You're still just getting into it, so you don't know how it's going to end up yet. No, I don't know (laughs) if it's a happy ending or a tragic ending or what. I don't know. I'm assuming that they lose the time war by falling in love, but I'm not sure. Oh, that's a a nice way to lose the war. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm hoping. (laughs) Uh, What are you planning to read next, or have you not lined up yet? After that, I really want to read... Oh, God, you know, I have a list of about 60 things that I really <laughs> want to read. Um, I'm, the next thing I'm going to do is I'm going to go on Twitter and I'm going to ask for recommendations for feminist science fiction. Okay. And then I'm going to compile my reading list from that and I'm going to uh, first go to the library and see everything that I can find. Of course. Um, so I'll, I'll give you a mine, which you may have already read, um, is The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet. I haven't read that yet. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> it's it's like um, it's like a Douglas Adams type book. Uh, I really, really loved that. And I was in um, I was in London a couple of months ago and I went in to gaze the word um, just because, A, it's a bookshop, but also it's a gay bookshop. Yeah, um, so uh, I went in and had a look and I saw... Um, that there were others in the series I hadn't read. I'd only read the first one and there were others in the series and some of them happened just afterwards, some of them happened at the same time but uh, in a different place. And I ended up buying them all. (laughs) How many are there? I think there's about three or four. So I've got three of them at the moment but I think there might be a fourth one. So... And is it escapist, easy to read science fiction, or is it like what I'm reading now, which is really mind puzzle science fiction? I think fiction? It's, it's very escapist, um, very easy to read, but funny as mm-hmm. well. Um, so 
I, I read it a long time ago. So it's I bought them because I got to have them and then haven't got around to reading the others yet. <laughs> I read the first one a few years back and loved it, but it was just so easy to, to get into and uh, it's it's very, very funny. I can't tell you what was funny about it now because I've completely forgotten. <laughs> but it was very uh, surreal in parts as well. Fantastic. So definitely worth it. That's my addition to your list. Thank you. I'm going to write that down. Thank you very much. In the crime and thriller paperback bundle this month is, uh, the first one is uh, The Home by Sarah Stovall. It's another Arenda title. I don't set out to include Arenda titles in my bundles every month, but they are just really good. And this is the latest in a long line of really good reads. I talked about The Home in the podcast last week so I'm not going to really talk about it much more except to say if you haven't got it go out and get it. Joining the home in the crime and fiction paperback bundle is Dorothy Coombson and Tell Me Your Secret. Again I've reviewed this in a previous podcast so I'm not going to spend too much time on it now but it's about a serial killer let loose in um, in Brighton. So, again, go back and listen to a previous podcast. I think it was last week's episode two. Go and listen to that to find out why for uh, that one. And, again, another book that I'm not going to talk too much about because I've spoken about it before. It's The Other People by C.J. Tudor. Now, that one is in the crime and thriller hardback bundle. But there is another title that is joining it, and that is Three Hours by Rosamund Lupton. This one is set over the course of three hours, as the title suggests. And the blurb reads as following. In rural Somerset, in the middle of a blizzard, the unthinkable happens. A school is under siege. Children and teachers barricade themselves into classrooms, the library and the theatre. The headmaster lies wounded in the library, unable to help his trapped students and staff, while outside a police psychiatrist must identify the gunman, while parents gather desperate for news. In three intense hours, all must find the courage to stand up to evil and save the people they love. This one is... My book of the month. I... Loved this. It was in a small format hardback, which um, it, I think might be be fast becoming my favourite format. Why did I love it? Well, it's it's an intense novel that you're not really able to put down. You connect with all of the characters and invest in their stories. And a bit like the 24-hour cafe, you sort of move from person to person. You see different things from different people's perspectives. But it's not about the two people or is it more that are holding the um holding them all in this siege it's about the people that are there the the victims put in quotation marks because i don't want to reveal who does or doesn't die uh it's obviously not a common occurrence in the uk that uh these school sieges and, and the shootings but it does feel scarily real and that is partly because of some of the real life headlines that rosamund lupton uses uh, and some of the real life tweets so she takes stuff from donald trump katie uh, hopkins 
headlines from the Daily Mail, the Express, the Telegraph, all of these things that may sort of build up to explain how some people might become intolerant of others. And maybe not even intolerant is the word, maybe the word is radicalised. I don't want to say too much on that because I don't really want to reveal too much more uh, about what unfolds. But what was nice, what I enjoyed about it, and again, this now ties in with the uh, Gavin Extant's title that I spoke about earlier, is that at the heart of it is two immigrants, Rafi and Bazzi. Uh, Rafi is 16, 17. Bazzi is his seven-year-old um, younger brother. They are in the school because they have been given a place by the headmaster. The headmaster has granted them a bursary. It's a private school that allows them to benefit from the school's ethos. And it does sound like a really nice school. You've got a very inclusive teaching staff. One of them is suffering from depression. In fact, actually, he's back on the scene not because he's working there, but because he's having a back-to-work interview with the headmaster. So he's he goes for a little journey of his own. But Rafi is kind of the, the, the one I connected with the most. You sort of see him being the hero, trying to save his brother and his classmates. He knows what's going on, but he doesn't also, he also doesn't trust himself because of his history of being an immigrant. Again, like the end of time, you don't see all the terrible things that have happened to him. You kind of learn about it through the way that is sort of touched upon. But apart from being a very, very good read and very page-turning in, I would say, the first two thirds, three quarters, the last part, in a way, becomes unbelievable because of the people that are victims, that um, survive or don't survive. But actually, it kind of, it goes beyond the story that you're reading there. It becomes a bit of a look at modern life. And it says, this is where we are heading, this sort of intolerance, this miseducation of things. We will be in trouble. And actually, all the way through, it's it's analogised to Macbeth. So one of the play, the play that the people in the theatre are rehearsing is Macbeth. And they carry on rehearsing because they're safe. They're in the safest part of the school. But they've brought it bang up to date by turning the witches into terrorists from Daesh, which obviously they are now all a bit worried about because this is a terrorist situation. So have these... Uh, people taken over the, um, have they taken over the school? So learning the identities of the terrorists, the the gunmen, and seeing the paranoia build among both the students and teachers inside the building as well as the parents and the police outside, it's very interesting, to say the least, uh, as to where A, your mind goes as a reader, but B, where the mind of the parents go and also some of the students where what they think is going on and what they assume is going on i i could probably talk about this for a very long time i'm, I'm going to stop now it is definitely my book of the month i read it 
in two sittings, actually. I was going to stop reading and go to bed, but I had to finish the last 100 pages. It is only about 300 pages. Uh, so it should be a fairly easy read, fairly quick read for you. But it's incredible. Uh, Rosamund Lupton, in case you didn't know, is the author of The Sister, which was first published back in 2010 and was part of the first Richard and Judy collection that they did with WH Smith. It actually won that season's vote back when they did a vote on it. So if you're in case you were wondering her her name sounds familiar, that is why. And that was also a very, very good book. So if you were a fan of that, you will not be disappointed by this. So check it out. The first piece of news that I'm going to talk about this week is about American Dirt by Janine Cummins. Now, this is a very interesting um, tale because it's been getting a lot of buzz on Twitter and on you know on the internet in general over the last say six months or so. I think it, you know it's it's not been quiet. Lots of people have been uh, talking about it, and people that have read it have really enjoyed it. And I've been um told by others that i i absolutely should read it that i would really would really like it i I haven't read it yet it is on my list um but there are a lot of things on my list so i suspect it it may never make it to the top now um but why am i talking about it the reason why it's come up is so oprah picked it for her book club which um, for a long time she's been picking books for her book club. Now it's got a TV show on on Apple TV. And now that it's been published, there is a lot of talk, um, and in fact a lot of frustration from people who are the people that it claims to represent. So it's been called exploitative. It's been saying it it almost trivialises the, uh, the, the, the experience that these uh, undocumented immigrants have. And th- there's two sides to this argument, and that is one that if we only wrote about what we knew, there'd be so many books that we wouldn't have. Um, you know, you ha- as a writer, you have to write outside your sphere of, uh, of experience. However, you also do have a responsibility to represent the audience that you're talking about in a, in a fair way. And it seems that the audience that um, Janine ha- Cummins has been talking about is... It, they're offended by this. Um, I know nothing about this at, at all. So I can't comment, although I would say it, it goes to one of the the heart of things that I say is if you, you don't get to choose who's offended. If somebody's offended by something you've said, the only thing you can do is say sorry. And you can say you didn't mean to offend them, but you can't tell them they shouldn't be offended. But actually it, it speaks to it speaks to the makeup of publishing today in that nobody but nobody picked this up as potentially causing offence. And the article that I'm looking at now, it's on marketwatch.com, is, uh, it says that according to a 2019 diversity baseline survey, uh, 78% of people employed in publishing are white, uh, 60% are 
cisgender women and 82% are straight. Now this is talking about America, but I would imagine it's a fairly similar uh, makeup in the UK, although I think there's a few more gay men than that. The field is very, very white. And that's why it didn't get picked up. And this is why it is really important that we champion books from underrepresented voices. But more than that, we should champion underrepresented voices themselves. So we shouldn't be based completely in London. We shouldn't be only publishing people um, that the agents and the publishers know. This is a result of a very small publishing bubble and I hope that the people in that bubble all take the lesson for what it is and that is we need to we need to burst that bubble. But should we read this book or not? I would say, do you know what, read it. Absolutely read it if it's the sort of story that you think you might enjoy. But bear it in mind that the audience it represents are claiming it doesn't represent them accurately. So take it as an entertainment piece and not as a, as a factual piece. I would love to hear from anybody who can tell me of uh, books that do represent this side of things in a better way. So if you do know of something, please let us know and I will, um, I will tweet it out. The next piece of news, it's a bit of a, a, a better piece of news, in fact, and that is the Costa Prize winner. It was announced on Tuesday, and as I predicted uh, last week's podcast, the winner was The Volunteer, the true story of the resistance hero who infiltrated Auschwitz. The, the, the winner was only decided on Tuesday um, afternoon, which is why a, a few of us were saying, I think this is going to be this one, because obviously that was the day after the Holocaust Memorial Day, 75 years since Auschwitz. Um, and this book, well, the blurb is as follows. Would you sacrifice yourself to save thousands of others? This is the unsung story of one of the greatest heroes of the Second World War. In the summer of 1940, after the Nazi occupation of Poland, an underground operative called Witold Pilecki accepted a mission to uncover the fate of thousands of people being interned at a new concentration camp on the border of the Reich. His mission was to report on Nazi crimes and raise a secret army to stage an uprising. The name of the detention centre? Auschwitz. It was only after arriving at the camp that he started to discover the Nazis' terrifying plans. Over the next two and a half years, Witold forged an underground army that smuggled evidence of Nazi atrocities out of Auschwitz. His reports from the camp were to shape the Allies' response to the Holocaust, yet his story was all but forgotten for decades. This is the first major account to draw on unpublished family papers, newly released archival documents and exclusive interviews with surviving resistance fighters to show how he brought the fight to the Nazis at the heart of their evil designs. The result is an unfolding story of resistance and heroism against the most horrific circumstances and one man's attempt to change the course of history. Ah, uh, there you go. Um, 7 99 it's in paperback. It's on the website. You can order it now. I will be getting some copies in next week and I will be getting in a copy in to read. I haven't read it yet, but um, 
it's one of those subjects that actually we could all do with knowing a little bit more about. It's time to look at the bestseller charts. This is the information sourced from Nielsen Bookscan Total Consumer Market. This is the top 10 of everything, regardless of format, whether it's paperback, hardback, fiction, non-fiction, whatever. These are the top 10 selling books. For the last two weeks, we've had a pinch of nom double in the top spots, one and two. Will they be able to keep it up for this week or will there be some new releases coming in to take their place? Let's find out. Down one at 10, it's The Family Upstairs by Lisa Jewell. At nine, down five, it's Their Little Secret, the latest from Mark Billingham. While Tom Kerridge is down two at eight with Lose Weight and Get Fit. New in at seven, it's the latest Harry Hole thriller from Yo Nesbo, Knife. And at six, down three, it's The Binding from Bridget Collins. New in at five, it's the latest Jackson Brody from Kate Atkinson, now in paperback Big Sky. While Kay Featherstone and Kate Allenson dropped from two to four with the Pink of Nom 100 Slimming Homestyle Recipes. At three, up two places, it's The Boy, The Mole, The Fox and The Horse by Charlie Mackenzie. At two, it's a new entry for Not A Diet Book from James Smith, which means that Kay Featherstone and Kate Allenson keep hold of their number one spot with Pink of Nom Everyday Light. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the charts next week with um, a full week of lots of titles that were published last week so things like uh, Kate Atkinson and Yo Nesbo they may move up but also there is the little thing called the Costa Prize which was announced on Tuesday of this week so that may have an impact as well um, watch this space <laughs> That's it for the uh, third episode of the Burt's Books podcast. I honestly thought that I wouldn't have enough material to talk about uh, this week and that I'd be running short, but it's already the longest episode I've had so far, so I won't bang on for too much longer, other than to say, if you have enjoyed listening to me today, please subscribe, uh, rate and review on all of the different podcast platforms that you listen to. I will see you next week, just before the crowdfunder ends. Hopefully we'll have some good news for you. Um, please donate to it if you can. And if you would like to get in contact with me, if you have any questions, comments or queries, you can by emailing bert at bertsbooks.co.uk or contacting me on Twitter at bertsbooks. I'm on all the other socials as well. All of the books mentioned in this week's podcast are available on burtsbooks.co.uk and if you are a little bit jealous of the bundle subscriptions that people are starting to receive then you can sign up to get your very own. There's a couple of ways of doing that. You can visit the subscriptions page on Burt's Books and use the code WELCOME20 to get 20% off your first month or you can go to gift subscriptions also on the subscriptions page and pay up front for a uh, three month, six month or 12 month period. And you can give that to somebody else or keep it for yourself if you wish. And there are lots of different options for you to choose from as well, uh, depending on which genre you would like. I'm off to read. Hopefully you'll get a chance to do the same today. 
And if you do finish it before we speak next week, just drop me a line and I will give you some more recommendations, um, which you will handily be able to buy on birthbox.co.uk. Until then, goodbye.